Hello and welcome to the ESG Fitness Podcast. As you can probably tell, I have a sore throat, which I'm hoping is not sincere. Anyway, we recorded this, and when I say we, I mean some of my absolute favourite fitness girls, and actually, not just fitness girls, some of my best friends. We recorded this last night, I thought it was brilliant, it's going out on the Gluteware podcast, but Carly also very kindly let me take the audio and put it on here as well. So I hope that you all enjoy. <laughs> so on today's episode, we have the fantastic trio. We have Amelia Thompson, Hayley Madigan, and Emma Story Gordon. Hello, ladies. Oh, hello. hello. So let me tell me a little bit about yourself first of all because obviously we all know each other but um, Emma let's start with you. Of course thank you I love going first. My name is Emma Story Gordon I am an online coach I probably specialize mainly in female fat loss I am also um, part of EIQ Nutrition with Amelia, which is going to be an education platform. So that's very exciting. And um, I don't really know what else to say. Well, you've like I've known you for so many years from when we were in with USN, the, the supplement yeah, brand, etc. And do you remember when we trained? You was ripped. So tell tell me a little bit about your transition from kind of being like that and then you've kind of you've transitioned from that you've you, you you've entered a new phase so tell me a little bit about um you know what what's happened with your training is it your mindset that's changed what is it um I almost think it was more of a like been there got the abs took a picture did it finished moved on like as in and kind of with same with um Amelia and Haley, like they competed I didn't compete but it's the same sort of thing like you get in really good shape you realize okay this is cool for a while it's not good to do long term yeah let's move on to the next goal and plus once you've done it it's like what in my head I'm like why do it again and again and again um there's different goals that I want to meet now and they aren't particularly focused on physique um so yeah that was yeah, sort of no, no, I, I get that because obviously I, I went through the, the same stage like all of us did and I think we're at a different stage when people when people say oh don't you miss competing like, no you know I've done that been there and now like it's the next phase it's the next path isn't it so yeah 100% Hayley Hello, my lovely. <laughs> so, hi guys, I'm Hayley Madigan. Um, I too am an online coach. Um, I have two different kind of platforms in terms of my coaching. Um, so I have myself, which is more like one-to-one helping women with um, their female hormones. So HA recovery, um, PCOS, and just making sure that women are in touch with their hormones, shall we say. And I also run T28 Together Fitness, which is a group online training platform specializing in mainly fat loss. Um, So just like pretty much all of us, um, I've got down to very low body fat percentage um, for quite a few years. I competed for three years. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it when I did it, but then I realized there's more to life and I like cake. Um, obviously <laughs> I, during that, during that phase of three years, I lost my period. So 
I um, didn't realize how much effect it had on my body. Um, and then it wasn't until I stopped competing that I realized that recovery, health, um, and optimal fat percentage was more important than low body fat. Mm, 100%. We'll get back to that um, later <laughs> on. But yeah, maybe. Did you see my name? Well, where are you? I'm not exactly who I am. Great <laughs> 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 introduction. Yeah, so I'm Amelia. I three. I'm an online coach. I'm a nutrition consultant, and I work predominantly with people who are looking to improve their relationship with food and their bodies from a very compassionate and evidence-based um, stance. And I am also the other half of EIQ Nutrition with Emma, the education platform. And I also used to compete. I competed for about four years and finished in 2017. Yeah, 2017, because I came second in Britain and then realized that I was 31, I think, at the time. And I would never ever win, so I stopped. <laughs> and then I kind of thought I might compete again. And then I just thought, oh, yeah, my value shifted like the others. My value shifted, um, and other things came first. So mm. I still love the sport, but I would never ever do it myself, like you guys. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's it's helped with a lot of things, a lot of aspects for all of us, though, isn't it? I mean, for one, meeting each other. Look at that, eh? <laughs> 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 but we we're going to talk about uh female wellness today aren't we so okay wait i have a little question before we move on because i always wondered this and i think it's the case and i want to see if you guys agree but do you feel like you have to go through that and by that i mean like getting really lean and sort of realizing yourself that you know it was cool it was maybe a nice goal to have but it's not a long-term goal or do you think you can learn from someone else and be like, oh, I can see that they maybe went, like I would say I went a bit too far. And then I was like, oh, okay, not great. Come back. But I think a lot of people need to go through that themselves yeah. and almost feel like, oh, I've accomplished that. Now I don't need to do it again. I, I think you do because like for mindset purposes, I think you, like I personally wouldn't be the person I am today. Mm. I, I wouldn't have built the mindset that I have to achieve and you know move forward because before competing i had no goals no desire absolutely nothing and then competing taught me to be more driven and you know have that if if something doesn't go right you carry on um so 100 like yeah. i think you have to go through that to build a kind of create a different person yeah it taught me a lot of determination and yeah. actually I realized I'm stronger than I thought I was I kind of didn't realize I could go through that um so yeah it taught me loads so I'm, I'm glad I did it but I'm glad I'm also out of it mm. <laughs> see I kind of think I was doing my PhD at the time so it didn't teach me determination and it didn't teach me drive it didn't teach me motivation because like I studied for 10 years so that taught me those things it taught me what it feels like it taught me the pain of being hungry it taught me <laughs> The, it, yeah. it gave me a, a, a new level of empathy and it allowed me to understand when science says, yeah, you get preoccupied with food when you diet. Like that's what science says. But it made me realize that actually when I'm on prep, I want to stab someone in the eye that's got a donut. Like it, it, <laughs> it, 
<laughs> I like there's certain like I would you know like that feeling of you walk on the street when you're two weeks away from competing and there's an empty crisp pack on the floor and you just think oh my god I wonder if there's any crisps in that like, <laughs> if they blew into my mouth do they still have calories <laughs> yes it didn't count <laughs> like if I just shut my eyes and eat them really fast but a book doesn't teach you that right so it taught yeah, me yeah. empathy but like the drive side of it I think it's really obviously useful for some people but it didn't really teach me that like I didn't and yeah yeah I guess it depends where you come from because I like coming from a bit of a sporting background I found that the drive I had for training transferred into education and I guess maybe you had the drive that you had for education or the discipline that you had for education has tra- transferred into competing yeah yeah and it must must have helped with your mind for eating then because obviously you can relate a lot more to things than if you hadn't have done it yeah see that's where it came like that's where it came from so see when I first competed I had a coach the first time and then after that I just did it myself but nobody that was in 2000 and I think it was 2014 I think and nobody spoke about issues post-show ever mm. it was so behind closed doors so when I competed and then I finished competing and I, I, I was obsessed with food and I couldn't stick to my diet and I had all the struggles that a lot of people go through post-show. That's how I found mindful eating because I, I just did the scientific thing of I'm going to look into the science and the research and see what happens in your diet. And then I kind of uncovered this world of mindful eating that nobody had, at that point, nobody spoke about it. Mm. And that's where like my mindfulness practice came from was my own realization that these things happened and then obviously now a lot more people speak about it but at the time it was like hidden in the research around like obesity and binge eating and things it wasn't about competing or dieting that much at yeah. all. so let's uh let's roll on then to uh <laughs> who's going to start with the subject of female wellness Look well i i started you. before so Haley. <laughs> Haley. What do we what do we want to cover? What would we like to start to talk about? You want to just break the ice with about. a little bit of chat about yeah. vibrators. <laughs> you know what I was going to say. That I was going to say, Haley, let's talk about vibrators. But I thought I'd, lower, I'd be lowering the tone, so I'm glad. <laughs> yes, my favourite subject at the moment, guys. It's my favourite subject. Okay, so I believe that we should actually embrace the female wellness in terms of being able to talk about vibrators, being able to talk about orgasms, enjoying female pleasure for ourselves. Um, I don't feel like it should be a taboo subject or the stigma around it should be, oh my God, she's talking about that or we can't talk about it in public with other people. Um, And I feel like now 2020, we can actually finally talk about it with other people and not get too much you know hate or um people saying what does she mean or what is she actually talking about because i feel like realistically when you are healthy and when we talk about female wellness it's the whole thing it's including orgasms it's including being able to pleasure ourselves if we want to if we're single if we're in isolation on our own like <laughs> it, it's important there's so many reasons and there's so many like I was doing a bit of research before this and there's so like it's enlightened me even more the fact that like orgasms are so integral like integral to our being and so important to us um to our bodies to our brain like the amount of hormones that get released even dopamine gets released and obviously when we um 
we have that kind of analogy of like all oh, chocolate's better than sex like there's actually reasons because same hormones are released when we eat chocolate mm. and same hormones are released when we have sex and we, we orgasm um and emma was talking about previous to this like about pain um about whether we can actually um kind of reduce pain or stop pain during sex and there is like some search uh, some research and studies that have shown like the body's less sensitive so um the release of vasopressin i think it is vasopressin hormone um prom promotes pain reduction so during sex obviously at some people like a little bit of uh, hair pulling and fnm <laughs> stuff and actually there's studies Haley, this is that. what i was talking I about love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but guys, there's a reason for this because the pain is not actually as painful during yeah, sex. Yeah, but the thing is though, things like that, when it actually comes to like having sex, I don't, it's, it's pleasurable, isn't it? Whereas yeah. if someone actually did it like not having sex, yeah. it would be painful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is that about? <laughs> but that's because of pain reduction from the hormones released during sex. <laughs> Honestly, wow! This is this got deep, real quick. Well, you are going to go first. Deep. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Do you know what though? I do want I to can say go on. <laughs> at this moment that um, I thought it was really bold of Haley to post about the vibrator, and I think, like you know, like she says, like we should be able to speak about that, and it shouldn't be taboo, and. Yeah. You know, how many memes have gone around about guys wanking during um, what we in lockdown? Like, yeah. but if yeah. girls had said something like that, that's like, oh my God, like, not yeah. okay. So, and, and it's like, you got a, a really, like, when you posted that, you got a really scummy, like, men in your inbox. And it's like, we yeah. don't do that. We don't, we're not doing it as, well, I say we, you didn't put that up there to kind of attract oh, men's God, attention. No not why you're doing it and but men a lot of men's minds automatically go to a certain place when you do that and it's like we don't say we're not attracted to you when you talk about doing that so what, why do you think like, we're doing that to you but then that's like where men and women are different though isn't it like because if we speak about you know oh you know i'm going to use my vibrator tonight or whatever then it will be mainly a male saying oh come on film it do you know what i mean whereas well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have two guys speaking about it and <laughs> saying to each other, do you know what I mean? Well, you wouldn't say to yeah. a guy, oh, film it for me, would you? No. Oh, get on with it, have fun. Have fun yourself, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'd be able to do it myself. So I think it's, it's hard because we are, you know, we, we are two, we do have different minds, like male and female, and I think that's, I think it's always going to be like that because we are different yeah. but that's yeah that's why i feel like it's important for other women to talk about it so it's yeah. okay for some women that may be a bit less you know a bit more scared or less subtle about it that they feel like oh i can actually embrace this and join yeah. it <laughs> it's a, it's a, like I, I knew that i would be the first person to say this but it's a feminist issue it really is yeah. it's very much like women are preconditioned to be polite ladylike proper in public have these certain um values and give off a certain give off these values right and that is very much what we've been preconditioned to do so when you stray from that it's like 
I, I can't believe you're straying from this perfect image of a lady. You either, that must mean you want it or, you know, whatever else. And that's, that's a whole bigger issue in itself. Like it's, yeah. it's so intertwined with like all of the feminist issues that we've got and in the fitness industry that, you know, where we suffer with that as well massively in terms of yeah. what we're expected to be like as ladies and how people react to us as ladies in the in industry where normally men would dominate. I think it's, it's an interesting one. Challenges yeah, people. It's a, it, that's a good example that like if you go to Body Power or any fitness expo, there's like 90% of women are there, you know, if you're sort of there with a company or you're paid to go, you're there standing on a stage with like bikini or like, you know, walking around giving out protein in a bikini. Mm. And there's maybe like 10%, which is basically the current company, talking or educating or doing something aside from just the way that you look. So, yeah, I kind of get what you mean. But then there's a hell of a lot more men in the educational roles or in the less less the way you look and more what you're saying that matters. Yeah, but then you've got, so then you've got the issue of, and this is something that I, I've thought about since day one, because obviously I'm a university lecturer, so people, people see me very professionally when I'm in the uni. But at the same time, when I was teaching full-time at a uni, I was a bikini athlete. So I, I'd have to say to my boss and everyone else, like, if you Google my name, you're going to see me and basically on my underwear, but I'm going to go and teach these 21-year-old boys about nutrition. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, but but like as a as a woman, you kind of think right. Well, I want to be respected in this realm, and if I want to be respected, can I put my body out there? Mm. And generally speaking, men don't have as much of an issue with that because again, it's like if you're a woman and you want to be taken seriously, you should conform to these like narratives of being what a proper woman should look like, and that involves not being semi naked on your Instagram, for example. But that that's part of what we do, right? So you're constantly yeah. fighting like you'd be like well does this do I have a good enough message with this image of me half naked to make me justify putting this image on on Instagram whereas unfortunately like men don't have as much of that concern I don't think mm. I think I think that can go on to business as well because I've had that when I've had I've gone into meetings and you know people have portrayed me a certain way obviously the way I look and then when I start speaking and they know that, you know, no, I am actually serious in what I'm talking about. That's when they look at me differently. But first of all, it's like, here she goes. Look at her, you know. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, so I, th- I think I think that we've obviously, we, I didn't think we had it harder, first of all, until I started more into the business and going to meetings and stuff. And then I actually realised, you know what, we kind of have because of we are portrayed in a certain way. And if we look a certain way, then we're not taken seriously until we actually up our game and say, you know what, I'm not taking any shit. Um, and it's like we have to we have to say that, whereas a guy wouldn't have to say that because you automatically you respect the person they are. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I fully agree. And then you've also got the the kind of women on women action as well yeah. at the same point where where you don't often you don't often get men who dislike other men because of their success. You know, it might be some sort of what the way they look or whatever, but when you get this kind of women on women thing where it's like, well, she puts her body out there, that's not very that's not very ladylike, therefore I don't agree with her message or I don't trust what she says because they don't 
women don't enjoy other women putting like putting their bodies out often and then you've got the men who also think i don't trust that woman because she puts her body out because they've got that very narcissistic sexist headspace where they think well she clearly doesn't respect herself because she has her body out there therefore mm. i don't respect her knowledge and again you wouldn't get that from the other way around like I, I there's loads of men that i respect that i've seen them in their pants it doesn't impact the way that i know what i know about their knowledge but i know other men who don't don't necessarily um, value a lot of the things that i say because i'll have my body out there and i know that like that's an actual fact so you're kind of i think we're on we are on the back foot a little bit and it's not like a i don't think i don't think that women are um way behind men but there is a male privilege for sure I think mm. that we're, we do ourselves a disservice by not acknowledging that there is male privilege. It's just that we don't talk about it enough because we don't want to look like we're too feminist. Yeah. It I is mean, interesting. I think um, you can look at it the other way as well in the fitness industry that, you know, as a woman who want, who is well-educated and wants to speak about topics that are going to be useful for other people, you're in quite a minority and thus you stand out more and I think that genuinely I think I've been put on speaking lineups because it's like oh we should probably have a girl in here mm. and do you know what like run with the opportunity because now I feel like I des- deserve those places but maybe I didn't when I was first given them but if you get an opportunity and you sort of bring your level up to meet that then yeah. that's great but I do think there are positives to being women as well in terms of getting like noticed or things like that but then yeah you're right it is hard to be taken seriously sometimes I, th- I think in the uh the UK I think as women we've actually got more opportunities opportunities because there's less of us women standing up and owning our shit more than there is say in the US like you have got a lot of influential women that more that I would look up to who are kind of like you know they're they're in their kind of like late 40s 50s and um you know who I admire but I can't think of many in the UK and I think it's something we're still missing so I think it is a massive opportunity that we've just got to grab it by the balls (laughs) or the vibrator (laughs) (laughs) one of many (laughs) the, the female empowerment isn't it it's trying to empower each other um and doing that in the best way possible to support one another and i feel like now i've i appreciate other women for what they do um and i understand because i i am i admit probably about five years ago because i was so fixated in myself and competing and everything mm. i was probably that type where i would be a bit oh maybe bit, not bitchy to other girls but not as friendly <laughs> like i would find them competitive so I would find that I was competitive against other girls. And now, however, this has happened like uh, in, through social media, just through me talking. Um, and one of my best friends, actually, she always, I went through a really bad breakup and she was probably the only person that was there for me. And she said to me every single day, you're a babe. Just said those yeah. two words, you're a babe. And I was like, you know what? Okay self-confidence you're a babe but she was bigging me up so much I'd never like really bigged any other girls up because I was always just in these little zones with these guys that were treating me like shit and then I realized actually do you know what female empowerment is so much better when you stick together Mm. um and then I found like 
oh, it's just so much nicer and happier way of living when you empower other women and you say you're a babe because you are a babe because look at you, you're doing amazing. You're independent, you're confident, like you don't need a guy to do it. Um, I think now, especially nowadays, it's getting better. Like I feel, especially on social media, it is getting better. Like other girls are lifting one another up. Like for example, like here, like us, um, supporting each other supporting each other's growth even doing the same job we're still supporting one another etc so i think it's getting better considering what it used to be like (laughs) i think that shows a lot of maturity as well like i think probably all of us were the same when we were a bit younger that you see someone else doing something similar to you and you see that as competition but really like you know maybe not so much carly with gluten wear but we're all like technically in competition but i referred someone to amelia yesterday because i thought she's a much better fit for you and there's more than enough clients to go around and it's not like we do have the things that we are better at and it's not even that like even if we all did exactly the same thing and we all say focused on female fat loss different people will still resonate with us like differently as in just the way you explain things maybe they find you funnier maybe they there's like a million things that you're just like (laughs) some people will be drawn to one of us compared to someone else so I don't see like anyone as competition anymore. And I'm more like, I yeah. love seeing other people do well, but a hundred percent, probably five, six years ago, I would have been really, I wouldn't say I didn't like seeing people do well, but I would have been like jealous of that. Yeah. I think that's definitely an age thing and a maturity thing. I'm mm. saying, but I think, I think as well, it comes with people. So we're all, I think we're all pretty authentic and, and who we are. Like we really know, who we are as women and as people and so I think there's less I think that the competition thing kind of goes away because you know like I know certain people that would get on really well with each of you or would work well with each of you and Carly included in this and you wouldn't and wouldn't with me right because I know who we all are so if someone went to say someone went to Emma for coaching say rather than me I'd be like well that makes sense because Emma's clearly the type of person that they need and so you don't feel when you feel confident in who you are as a person and what you bring if somebody wants someone like Emma it's not because I've not it's not because I'm weak in myself it's because they like a certain thing about her but it I do think it takes I don't know I think you have to turn like get into your late 20s 30s often yeah 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 100% be like I know who I am now yeah I I mean I I remember you know looking at what I should be posting or you know I shouldn't be posting this because you know no one else is because that's the kind of you know you were scared what anyone else thought now what would what's your advice you would give to someone to be who they are be authentic you know and not worry about what anyone else is posting I know it's an age thing but I think it's something that if you if you learned and you knew that it's okay then I think I think it can benefit a lot of people Mm, that's a good one I think my contribution in this and everyone will have a good one I'm sure mine would be very much like you know that that quote and it's like you can be the ripest peach and you and someone still doesn't like peaches or whatever that quote is Mm. I think the realization that like everyone will see you through their lens so they're all there are always going to be people that dislike you and we'll still have these conversations as like as a group now that's like this person doesn't like me or whatever and it's like you've done nothing because unfortunately you really can't control someone's perception there's nothing you can do all you can do is be true to yourself and if you're true to what you value and who you are 
you have it gone wrong and you do it with kind of, I think you're trying to do everything with kindness, right? You're trying to be kind mm-hmm. and you're doing it authentically. Then if someone doesn't like you, you, like, and that's what I do now, I kind of think, well, they don't know me. I know I've not done anything to piss them off. They just can't, they can only see me through their lens and their lens has made me out to be this person and that's okay because you can't control it. I think trying to please people is just, you can't, you can't please people. You can only yeah. be yourself. I think as well, like the the bigger following that you have, the more that will become prominent. There will be people that don't like you. And it's obviously just like sort of a percentage game, isn't it? That like, if you have thousands and thousands of followers, there will be a couple of people in there that don't like you or, yeah. or within the fitness industry that know you, there might be a couple of people who are like, oh no, I just don't like the way that she is or from whatever lens they are looking at it from. And it's especially true if they don't even know you and they're like, oh yeah, yeah I look at her social media, I don't like her. You've never spoken to her in your life. Like it, it's completely different. Anyway, I just wanted to point out that like, it might seem like as you get more successful that more people don't like, but it's probably just the number of people that know you. Yeah. And as a, as a byproduct, like there will be a couple in there that don't like you for some reason. Yeah. And how would yeah. you, if, if you get these kind of messages, um how do you what what do you do with them i mean you know do you reply how do you retaliate do you block them do you delete them do you just ignore it you know know, what's your response um (laughs) so i get quite a few shall we say like i have learned to deal with it by not responding and by not actually taking on like a troll like i don't get that many in terms of like comments if it's a comment i I used to reply and I just knew that their reply would be so ridiculous that it would then spur me on to reply even more. And then I'd share it on my story and get other people to jump on that person. Now I'm like, actually take a step back. Why the hell am I getting frustrated by something that I can't even control and by someone that actually doesn't probably realize what they're talking about or is just enjoying the enjoyment of making me feel like shit. So I don't reply. I just delete straight away mm-hmm. in every single, yeah, it's just not, it's not worth it. Like you can't please everyone. And I used to want to please everyone when I was younger. And I feel like when I've got older, my circles got smaller. Like we were saying, the people that are now close to me, there's a, a lot less people. And because I've, I've chosen those people, they're the bestest of friends. And I feel like when you're younger, you want everyone to like you. You want to be popular. You want to be in school and everyone loves you. And, and now, obviously, the, the aspect with children and teenagers have got social media. They're fixated on the followers. They're fixated on the likes and stuff. So as they're following grows it doesn't mean that it's going to get any better or any nicer it's probably like emma was saying it's probably going to get worse but as long as they understand that the trolls aren't doing that for that person like that's not based on that person they're trolling pretty much every single other person for any other reason that they can think of um you've got to kind of grow a thick skin i think um yeah i think i think you just need to focus on yourself because i mean i don't really get them at the minute um but i used to get get a lot of comments when I was more in bodybuilding and I was lean and I'd get, you know, you're gross, you're not a woman, you're unattractive, why do you want to look like that or whatever? Um, And I just deleted them because like, for me, I was doing it for me. I had a goal, I had a focus. And if anything, I, I was more intrigued to know their story and why why they felt like they needed to say something because there's always a story behind someone's comment and I'm more intrigued to know about that than uh <laughs> yeah 100% like 
it, it always blows my mind that someone would take the time to be like, I don't like the way you look. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't give a shit. Like, who yeah. are you? Yeah. yeah. It's so, it's so odd that someone would take, and even when these things go on a long time, like, I sometimes like to write back if I like mainly if I'm bored it'll be like sarky comments and then I'll leave it eventually. I love your comments Emma though. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be a professional troller. <laughs> no I didn't ever troll anyone but you know I would always like reply with something sarky but um yeah it does always say more about the person and yeah in, in a way you sort of do feel a little bit sorry for them because they I mean I highly doubt anyone who's happy within themselves is going to take the time to comment on someone else's yeah picture yeah. saying I don't like them or I don't like the way you look or whatever people say yeah yeah I think like what Hayley was saying about like but like maybe five years ago or whenever it was when you get trolled and you used to try and like you'd get people to jump on them and you'd share it and stuff because you just have this need to want to be liked again like again I'm going back to feminism because it is like that thing where we're we're told that we should be likable right and we are brought up to think everyone should like us and we should be nice so when people don't like us we're we think why don't they like us what like what have I done wrong you internalize it and then you need to get validation for that by like sharing it or arguing with them or giving them that attention whereas again like a man would be like who cares and that person yeah. doesn't like me and then they would just ignore it whereas like again like as you kind of get older you kind of just think like if you're sassy if you're feeling sassy you're like I'll reply mm, and say something sassy. yeah like, like sometimes if I feel sassy I'll be like yeah. I'll reply but other times if I know like if it's nine o'clock at night and I see a troll comment come up I'm just like oh just delete it straight away but yeah. if you're in a good mood you're like I'm gonna have some fun like someone someone once said to me I did like that 10-year challenge thing and someone mm -hmm. said, put a comment on my thing and said something like wow like you're something about my lips about having my lips done like a troll like nasty and I replied and I was like yeah they're really good aren't they and she was like yeah they do actually look good and I was like you just trolled <laughs> me you trolled <laughs> me for the state of how much my lips have changed and then I said to how nice they are and you're like yeah yeah they are I'm like you're a crap troll yeah but like yeah. Yeah. Response. you know what yeah. you're doing here I think you might be new but I think a really good point is that we we get like one percent or something but then when you look at that documentary that came out this year about the girl from little mix who was like yeah, hold on yeah. like it can get really serious and it's it's easy to think even with just people in the fitness industry like oh they're not real like 99 percent of people would not say things like that to your face mm. they're just going to write it online and it, it almost puts this barrier up to be like oh yeah well like carly's not real it's like a base it's a instagram thing like it's no whatever and i think that's mm. how the whole thing with the little mix girl happened is that people don't see celebrities or especially online as mm. almost being real people and yeah. sometimes they don't think it's actually them posting as well i think we have to remember that as well well i've been to the police before over a troll because i got so consistently trolled by someone who i was I, I, it was somebody that knew me but they were hiding behind fake things and Wow. I, got, I, I went to the police because I was living with my boyfriend at the time and I some like something had happened near our flats and some, my stuff had gone missing and I thought that this person was trolling me and they were they were at my house and I was terrified and it was just some stupid girl who didn't like me um and but yeah I was completely terrified and they don't they can't like at that point of someone just behind an anonymous account like anonymous account leaving you comments they, they don't do anything about it they keep a record and then they say 
there's not much we can yeah. really do so it's it's I, like I say that now like I brush it off that was only maybe four years ago and I was genuinely scared at home yeah and it, so it's easy for me now to say yeah I brush it off but actually yeah. at that point it was a big deal yeah and, like that's exactly the point like that girl must have some seriously messed up issues to go to the extent of creating fake accounts and like all this stuff like I don't know it it normally in fact it always says more about the person making negative comments yeah Mm -hmm. so okay I want to ask something different and that's right we have obviously we promote a lot of realness and you know everyone's uh, you know, got their their bad sides and things that, you know, we've all got stretch marks, we've all got cellulite, you know, we've all got things that are beautiful, but people don't portray them as being beautiful. Now, you know, you have women and you have men obviously looking at social media and thinking there's perfect people, because you do have men like that who have, you know, their their insecurities. Now, where we obviously promote, you know, everyone is real, why do you think that people don't realize this because obviously we realize it so why don't other people why what do you think that they're lacking or could kind of progress in to help change them their their uh, perspective of things I think it might be self-confidence that they're lacking like as soon as I became more confident my body I accepted my body and I'd be able I was able to accept the flaws shall we say the cellulite anything stretch marks whatever because I accepted myself as as what I was and and I was confident no matter what um I didn't accept myself prior to like probably a few years ago though to be fair like maybe five years ago prior to competing I didn't accept myself and I always picked holes in myself because I wasn't as confident and I guess it has come with age like Mm. now more mature I know I know what people um admire and what beauty is more it's in the eye of the beholder like if you're confident you're more attractive um and so to accept yourself it's a it is a hard process like it's taken me 30 years I think yeah um I think it's it's surrounding yourself with people that will lift you up no matter what and talking to other people that are confident in themselves too um I mean I remember the first ever time that someone noticed my cellulite and I think I was 16 um my dad said to me I had shorts on and he's like oh you've been eating too many crisps you've got cellulite and I was like what? oh wow your dad sent you that's uh, that's a big one isn't it he didn't mean it in a nasty yeah. way he's like you better stop eating crisps and I as a 16 year old girl never even freaking knew what cellulite was I was like what what are you talking about what what because I was wearing shorts I was thinking oh. and that that stemmed me to never wear shorts for like 10 years because then I thought oh my god I can't ever eat crisps again and I literally then went started college and I I was on a crisp ban for six months <laughs> because of this one comment and I was thinking actually who gives a crap like sometimes it has obviously behaviors and you've learned behaviors and mm. that was that was kind of integrated into me from a young age and I thought actually hang about <laughs> dad you say you like okay <laughs> my dad did my dad did the exact same thing at 16 <laughs> at 16 he said you need to start going to the gym <gasps> it's like and dad and dads are so influential so yeah. and this is not a criticism of them in any way because yeah. they don't they don't register they don't, but they don't but realize 
so influential. I think as well, when we were 16, right? So when I was 16, it was like 16 years ago-ish, 17 years ago. So like the, the narrative around this type of situation was quite different 16 years ago than it is now. And I think now dads would have more awareness, you would hope. But then we yeah. are very much in this bubble, right? So so the dads that we know would have more awareness, but that's not necessarily true for the, the country as a whole. Um, but yeah, they have they have a lot of power. I think I think as well, what like this is coming from so I do a lot of work in self-compassion and there's like three key components of self-compassion one of them is mindfulness one of them is is self-kindness so how you speak to yourself and one of them is common humanity and what common humanity is is like everyone is the same and everyone has these struggles and it's why like Haley's posts that are like cellulite and normal you know what I'm saying like flex on flex types of pictures it's why they're so successful because it's like this the realization that we all have it and we all feel the same. We all lack confidence sometimes and we all have, that is really, really, really empowering. And it's one of the most compassionate things you can do for yourself. So when like you hate yourself and you're looking at your body and you think, oh my God, I've got cellulite or, or, or whatever it is, going, do you know what? Hayley Madigan's got cellulite or Emilio's <laughs> got like big ears or whatever it is, right? <laughs> I mean, I do. There's a reason I have big hair. <laughs> <laughs> but like that, that, that common humanity, which is why I think like, we didn't have that so much growing up, right? Because nobody at school when you're 16 is like, yeah, I've got spots. Look at my makeup free face. Mm. Whereas now you don't necessarily get it at school, but you'll find someone on Instagram that has their spots out and they're like, I've got yeah, spots yeah. and that's fine. So I think that's one of like the most empowering things is that just saying to yourself and looking at social media for the right reasons and being like everyone goes through this and that's okay and it's normal and then mm -hmm. when you do that it's a lot easier to accept I yeah. think I think it's yeah. definitely following the right people isn't it actually you talking about your dad it was when um when I was about 15 I had really bad skin and um it was one of my uncles joked about it oh my god you know it's like I, I think family just don't think that you know, they had that kind of effect on you because yeah. I was shocked. I was, you know, I, I've got, it was horrible. It was like, I was traumatized. I mean, I probably am because I'm still talking about it now. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say on that point that actually I really think Haley's posts are really useful for people. And even just seeing the effect, like I think what's really useful is being like, oh, here's me scrunched over. Because you always see yourself at your worst, really. Yeah. You're like, down. oh, you see it, like um, a reflection of you or something and you're in a bad posture and you just don't look great. But then to see you two seconds later standing with good posture in exactly, you know, exactly. So it's obviously taken two seconds later. That I think is really helpful that you're like, okay, well, you, you know, even if like, yeah, you do have cellulite, but actually when you stand up and you don't scrunch your ass, like it doesn't look like, yeah. like it looks great. So I think knowing that and knowing that even people who you would look up to as like fitness mm -hmm. models and things, in fact, they are the most insecure people that you'll meet is fitness mm -hmm. models. And, yeah. and Haley, when you were just talking about like not accepting yourself until you stop competing, I mean, it's almost like an obvious thing. Like you were judged solely on the way you looked mm -hmm. or depending on potentially how many followers you had, or if you had an in with one of the judges. But aside from that, like mm -hmm. it is judged on how you look. So it's not, I mean, it would be weird if you didn't put some of your self-worth on the way that you look, because that's what you're being judged on. Yeah. And same with fitness models. Like, of course you care about the way you look. And of course, like a lot of your self-worth is placed on that. That's how you make money. 
like yeah. it is important to you and as soon as you realize that you're more than that I, I mean I think it would be a really hard thing to do as a model or as like um, a top class bikini athlete or something because really like that is a lot of who you are I, mean, who I you wouldn't are, but... be able to do it then at all 100% because I remember when I used to go into the changing rooms and if it was bad lighting and I saw cellulite or the lighting was so harsh that I didn't look like I felt like I didn't look like I trained I would be shell-shocked and I would be so depressed for the the rest of the day whereas now if I see bad lighting I'm like oh, let's take a picture <laughs> it's, it's like so different do you know what I mean? yeah. it's just so bizarre yeah. isn't it how you can go from but I think as you said Emma it's because that's what we're focused on because that's what we're judged on whereas now we don't feel like we're just judged on that and I think you can I think when you when you get over that you realize that people people respect you and people like you for you not just the way you look um, because I used to be like that with um, whenever I used to do any Instagram thing I would be full full face of makeup hair down etc wouldn't ever do an Instagram story without any makeup on and then that's when I realized like people aren't looking if I've got makeup on people are actually listening to what I have to say um so I think it is going through that transition isn't it of it all yeah it's funny because like I think the same about Haley's post and then I then I've kind of moved to the place where like I've put posts up similar but I, I'll say why do you only like like why do you need to see this and I'm kind of almost at the point where like I do like and I'll share people I'll share your posts to people but at the same time I'm also like you have at some point you you have to take responsibility and say that like you can't keep trying to get your validation from social media at some point you have to step up for yourself and say I know everyone this happens to everyone if social media was shut down tomorrow and I couldn't see Haley's beautiful ass I need to know that that's okay. Like, and I and I and I yeah. do think there's a personal, a level of personal responsibility to go stop being so naive. Like, we all like, cellulite is a not like cellulite, especially right. It's completely normal. It's as normal as having bloody teeth. Like, it's completely normal, and it's just like it's just ingrained in us for some reason that it's negative because of a lot of comments, right? Like, there's a reason that all three <laughs> three of us have got male dominated comments in our head from when we were 16. Like they obviously stuck with us, but <laughs> at some point you do need to go, right, I need to rationalize this and say that everyone, this does happen to everyone and you need to stop relying on other people to, to show you that. And you have to go, right, how can I, how can I navigate this for myself? So maybe the next time you look in the mirror and you see cellulite, you just say to yourself, everyone has it. Rather than going, I'm going to go and find someone on social media that shows me that I have just say to yourself, everyone has it because we all have it and yeah that's fine yeah it's been like educating women isn't it on why we have it and I think I've we've tried to do we've all tried to do that as well and I think we're like talking about the science behind each like obviously cellulite and why it's there and the estrogen obviously the lower body fat patterning and things so I think girls are starting to because if they listen to us and they see our posts they'll they'll understand why it's there and I think they need to know why it's there or why we have certain reasons and if there's a science scientific reason or because obviously for our for our babies and our bodies to be able to reproduce like girls are more accepting and I think they feel more comfortable with something like that They're like oh okay I'm like I still had pretty much a little bit of cellulite whilst I was still on stage 
um, because it pretty much is impossible for me to get rid of it all, right? Um, I say that to people, and even when I was PTing, when I was competing as well, like two years ago, like my clients would say, no, you don't, you don't have cellulite. And I would be like, right, I am gonna strip down and show you my mm. ass right now if there wasn't any men in here. But they were like, no, you're small. And I'm like, yeah, but every single freaking woman has it. And they just didn't believe me. And I just found it fascinating that they wouldn't accept it. They were, oh, it's just me or, oh, because I'm, I'm bigger than you, blah, blah, blah. And it was just, it's hard, very hard to, to get women to understand and accept themselves. And I feel like it's not obviously not just cellulite, it's just, it's women's to accept themselves at all, in all body types and obviously accepting their flaws. It's very difficult. They're um, not flawed, though, are they, Healy? They're not flawed. Yeah. Sorry. They're societal, <laughs> societal flaws. <laughs> what what word can we use? Attributes. Attributes. Thank you, Emma. Well, <laughs> it's our personal beauty, isn't it? Yeah. True. <laughs> so, Emma, what about you? Have you got any? Did you have you has, ever had any hang-ups, or have you always loved yourself? <laughs> you know what? So, genuinely recently i've really struggled because i put on a lot of weight for me it, well in, in fact for anyone it was like nine kilograms i put on and to be fair i started underweight so yeah. but i'm still like way heavier than i've ever been in my adult life and i've just lost a fair bit of that and i feel much more comfortable now but it was a really hard position for me to be in like one in chronic pain two in a body that like I felt like I didn't know couldn't exercise like obviously had no motivation to particularly eat well like it is a hard place to be in but it did teach me a lot and I'm sure I will be more empathetic to like people living in chronic pain are absolute heroes like it would genuinely it's like a struggle to get through every day and just the fact that people live like that long term is do you want to just go into like what you know with your your back and like what's yeah, so wrong with it and everything long story short i had a back injury well still do but it is much more manageable now but to put it in perspective like i've not sat down for about six months i can walk at christmas had christmas dinner on the floor like and do you know what it could have been a lot worse and hopefully this is it getting a bit better but at the same time it did teach me a lot and it would have been quite easy to be like, well, I can't, you know, like, I couldn't train. And it did also make me realize that I definitely use exercise as a coping mechanism. And I think probably all of us do to some extent. But I also don't, I think people think that that's okay because it's like a quote unquote healthy coping mechanism. But you're still not confronting like your emotions. Like I'd be like, oh, I'm angry. I'm, I'm upset at someone or I feel heartbroken, whatever it was. I'd be like, well, I'll just go train. And to be fair, it works pretty well. But then when that's taken away from you, you're like, hmm, okay, what do I do with all these emotions? So that was a bit of a learning curve as well. And I think it did teach me a lot about myself. Mm, I like that. I, li I like uh, that, that concept of how you explained that, actually, because that probably is why a lot of people are finding it hard at the minute because that's their coping mechanism. It's where they're hiding away from a lot and now... Um, you know, everything comes to reality, isn't it? Yeah, but I think you can only like quote unquote hide for so long. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Amelia, were you going to say something? No, no, no. That you're what you were saying was important. Um, I was just going to say that that's why people are like eating as well at the moment and finding that they're just eating as a coping mechanism because they can't do 
as much exercise as they normally do, I think. And so they like they just find it's just another distraction technique, right? When you're angry, you train. When you're upset, you train. Or wait, if you can't do that, when you're angry, you eat. And when you're upset, you eat. And it's just all these ways of us just not saying, I feel really crap and I'm going to accept it and deal with it. It's like, I'll just distract myself or numb myself with exercise or food. Mm. Two kind of common ones, Um, and I think like this. I think that's why this time right now is so triggering for so many people because those are for at least for the types of people that we're around, right, and people that follow us and we speak to, etc. That's they are our coping mechanisms, food and nutrition in some way, and exercise in some way. We're kind of so used to just using that rather than using our feelings, Mm. and and which is why I think it's like everyone's struggling a little bit. Yeah, I think it was something you said, Amelia, actually, but in one of your talks once about like sitting with your feelings, that quite resonated with me. I was like, okay, that like that's what like well, that's what I should should do at the time, and I think I did, which was which was great. Um, <laughs> but I do think it's what a lot of people should do, and I think it's so easy for people to be like, oh, do you know what? Normally I eat my emotions, but now I've decided instead of that, like I force mm. myself out for a walk every night, which could be yeah. great if. But if it's not like, well, okay, a walk's maybe better because maybe you are sort of almost sitting with your feelings, but like, I'm just going to go to the gym or I'll do another gym class or, you know, it, it's always something else where actually you should just be able to sit with your feelings and deal with them as opposed to almost sometimes literally running away from them. Yeah. I think that's why a lot of people get into competing and I stand by that decision. I stand by that statement and even even though I love the sport I think a lot of people get into competing because it's such a good distraction people get into competing when they they go through a breakup that's why I got into competing because right there like because it's like I'm not going to deal with how heartbroken I am and how the fact that this man was vile I'm just going to train my arse off be so busy and so tired that I have to sleep because I'm so tired and all I can think about is food so you don't Mm. think about the fact that you're heartbroken and I think that actually and then I think at the other side of it it's why a lot of people come out of competing because actually their life their life kind of falls into a nice place and they don't need that distraction anymore and that's not everyone and and like I said like I'm all for competing for like for the right reasons and stuff so it's not like it's not a competing thing per se but I do think that a lot of people do fall into it for Mm. that reason that kind of distraction reason not everyone and when when you say obviously you you need to kind of be in touch with your feelings and stuff like I I get what you mean but how would you um give it like some advice and tips to people who you know maybe they want to do that but they don't really know how to like where do they start yeah it's really really hard and we've all been there ourselves right so like we know that I think to acknowledge it first of all that you might you might be one of those like you might go through that is by saying like are you always the positive person do you like joke about the fact that you've got a really good game face for example are like are you usually outwardly positive but inside you you don't necessarily feel that way you might not even feel sad you might feel nothing you might just kind of think that you're fine but you just don't really feel the ups and downs of like what actually when you're in touch with your emotions you can get really sad but you can also get really really happy and you get like both of it the best when you get to that point but I think you have to firstly acknowledge it and you can acknowledge it by like I said thinking if you've always got that game face the positive face 
or if you have certain behaviors so like Emma said like if it's exercise or if you're someone that maybe uses food or alcohol or online shopping or sex or whatever it's studying you know we've all done at least some of those things if not all of them at some point if you have those types of behaviors then think to yourself am I doing that for the right reasons or am I doing that as some sort of potential way to manage something else that's going on I think that's a good way to highlight if if that's there and then it's really uncomfortable it's really horrible and it's not easy to do but you have to then just start going meditation is great because it enhances your ability to kind of notice what's going on in your head and that's often what we don't do um so any type of meditation and Carly we talked about this we've talked Mm. about this before but doing some sort of meditation is great but if you don't want to do that journaling is really good or saying to yourself I'm going to have one conversation with my best friend this week about how I feel you know not just the surface level he said this I said this actually how I feel and there's some stuff I do with clients like that are mums where I say right you know once a day with your family you're going to check in and you're going to say one word that you feel that day and all of you are going to say one thing each and it could just be like angry and then that's it you don't have to go into it doesn't have to be like a big I'm going to start meditating and journaling and everything's going to be great because it takes a long long time it takes a really long time to register it and then start working through it and then journaling is really good because it allows you just to put out whatever you want and it puts like distance between you and your thoughts so that they're not all just in your head and then it feels uncomfortable like we are I don't think any of us are natural feelers like we or at least we've been through a phase where we're not everyone's like no, no, no. Mm. like we've been through a phase right where we've not been natural feelers so it is really uncomfortable to be vulnerable but the only way you can start doing it is to actually be like be vulnerable with yourself and be vulnerable with somebody that you trust that you know that they can sit with your feelings yeah. um and just keep doing it over and over until one day like I was in Cali like three years ago and I was walking on the beach and I just had this realization and I cried for three hours on the beach then went home and spent a week in bed eating cinnamon rolls and then after that I was like oh this is what it feels like to have emotion and that took me years of like meditating and going through yeah. stuff before I got to that point yeah yeah so a lot I, of it's um that. yeah a lot of it's self-awareness isn't it and I I think what I found with clients is that a lot, if I'm like, oh, you know, maybe you could try journaling, even if it's just a tiny bit, you know, it doesn't have to be pages and pages to start with. And they prefer if, like, I think a check-in is almost a form of journaling, but it's a bit easier because it's like, there are questions that I'm asking. You can choose to elaborate on them as much as you want or not. And some weeks people will, and some weeks people won't. Mm. And it's nice to feel like someone's actually going to read it. Cause I think a lot of people can think, oh well I'll just write a little bit because there's no point no one's going to read this anyway and I'm tired I can't be bothered whereas if you're checking in with your coach who should be at least after some time if you've worked with them someone you trust you know like again almost well, maybe not a best friend but a friend and also in a good position where there is that confidentiality they're not going to go and share this with anyone or anything so I think that can be a good place to start with journaling if you're someone who's like I didn't I like that would not come naturally to me to just mm. write about my emotions I wouldn't even know where to start kind of thing yeah that's why I've always done like online check-ins texting like texting writing because I know some people do online check-ins like video because they want to see each other's faces and stuff but to me I, I think I think a lot of the benefit of coaching regardless of what type of coaching it is right nutrition training lifestyle whatever it is I think so much of the benefit comes from just journaling in, a, in that way if you are the type of coach that encourages that type of honesty and um vulnerability that not all coaches obviously do mm-hmm. i do it's think that accountability as well isn't it that yeah. 
they it's almost like like we were talking about this on the live amelia that you should like almost love your coach in some mm-hmm. respects or like admire them to a certain extent anyway but that sort of develops that like okay i i want to do this for you like i am going to check in i am going to do these things they want to impress you and but they also feel like they can be honest with you and i guess that's yeah. part of the skill actually of being a coach that a lot of people don't think about is that actually you need to be able to create a relationship with your clients like i hear this a lot from pts maybe less so nowadays but oh my clients lied to me on their meal plans or they you know they say that it, and i'm always like that's your fault like yeah. they're lying to you because they don't feel like they can be comfortable with you because they're like oh if a client lies to me there's nothing i can do yeah you can you can develop a better relationship with them you can say I don't care what you ate this week. You just need to be honest with me so that we can make changes and move forward. It's not a judgment thing. Yeah. I I had a new client this week, actually, that literally said, thank you so much. She just knew. knew. She said, thank you so much for not shouting at me for eating pizza. I've never had a coach that didn't shout at me before. And now I want to work harder so that we, like something like, and now I want to work harder and stick to it because I know that we can do it or something like that. And it's like, and I read it and I just thought, who, why, as a coach, like as someone in a position of authority, whether you're a coach or whether you're an influencer or, you know, however, whatever relationship you've got with this person, if you've got a relationship with this person, belittling them and shaming them is not a way to mm. get anything results. And I think if you're somebody who works with a coach or somebody who gets advice from friends or anyone that that shames you and, and you think that that's going to get you to change like obviously we I see shame all the time but that's not a way to get change and it's not and it doesn't matter if it's a coach or, or anyone like we all speak to different people on social media all the time that are not clients but we would never be we would never shame them into trying to get them to see a point that's not how that that, that just doesn't work like that shame stops change it doesn't create change yeah it was it's the trust as well isn't it the trust in your coach i think i had a client yesterday she said um she's just uh kind of increasing her food trying to get her periods back and um the issue with isolation she is stuck with her mum and brother and her brother's trying to lose weight so the conversation around the table was how many steps have you done have you tracked your calories and obviously this was all triggering for her and she found it really triggering and she was like oh my goodness i'm going to slip into bad habits i keep listening to this thing at this conversation at at dinner time and she said she's like what do i do and i was like okay like thank you so much for opening up and talking to me to to me about it but you need to open up to your mum and your brother about it and you need to really just understand that they're going to be there for you but talk to them open up and explain how you're feeling explain how you're feeling to your mum it's your mum she will understand so she did she came back and she went oh my goodness I don't know why like that took me so long to realize that I can talk to my mum about this I was like of course you can like she's there it's just you're obviously scared about it and it's nice for her to then understand that she can come to me first off and then we obviously explain the situation that actually they're your family they also Mm. need to be the people that you're opening up to not just your coach Mm -hmm yeah 100%. it's nice that you can do that as well from a coaching point of view and being able to help obviously and especially in a situation with isolation building the fact that the relationships with those people are who, who, who they are in isolation with mm. they're the people that you're going to be around with for however long um so yeah it, and i think that's actually quite a good time to to really have a coach as well i i felt like being so much more in with my clients that 
it's a time that they need us more than anything um and they need the support um more so psychologically than anything it's definitely um, having that direction as well isn't it that okay yeah you know, even if they're like oh i'm a bit worried i don't know what to do it's like okay well i have a plan and i know what to do yeah. and you're going to be fine like it isn't <laughs> a big deal like we will get past this so i think that is really reassuring for people at the moment and i think with your client who opened up to you like part of that is just her writing it down and saying yeah. it like well, not saying it out loud but writing mm. it out loud or as yeah. such that is because you have to you're kind of like oh i have all these feelings and i don't know why when they're saying this i feel like this and then you're like okay i'm writing it down okay it kind of makes sense to me in exactly the same as amelia like other coaches do video check-ins or calls or voice notes i just think if it's a call it turns into a chat if it's a video mm. it turns into a bit of a chat if it's a voice note you've forgotten what i said at the start by the end so what's the point and also as a coach like i like to look back and see okay well was this a problem last week was it a problem the week before like mm. do we have yeah. you know all these little things that it's it's easier from my side but it's also so important for the for a client to write things down really like therapeutic to do that as well so yeah. I'm definitely with the written check-in as well. Yeah. yeah. I, li I like the fact calling it though, even if it's like, obviously you've got the online check-ins um, and then you've got journaling, but I like the concept of calling a journal a check-in because, you know, you're checking in with yourself. Um, and I think, I think the word journal has got such a, like a hype about it, that this big massive thing that you have to write every day Whereas a check-ins, a paragraph or so, just tell, telling your coach or, and telling yourself how you are. So yeah. I, think, I, like the, I like the idea of that, actually, you know, changing the name of it. Yeah, or like it, I call it a self-assessment if it's like, I'll also put out to group clients sometimes just like um, a type form that they fill in and they basically answer their own questions. So it'd be like, what was your nutrition? One to five. And they're like, one. And they're like, okay, why? And there's a list of things, or you can add your own. Yeah. Basically, you'll get emailed back saying, hey, Amelia, your nutrition was a one this week. This is what you said you needed to do for next week. Like, get it done, basically. And then it, yeah. it is like that self-assessment, and it's there. But you are right. The, the word journal is quite scary, and I think it comes from like, oh, we found like Anne Frank's diary, and it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, my God, I have to write something that's like really good. Like, no, don't worry. Like, yeah. <laughs> it can literally be a couple of lines and you know what on a really good day you might not really want to write that much or you might want to write loads but you might be like do you know what sometimes in isolation you might be like I didn't feel great I didn't feel bad it like the day went and I did some work like mm. there's not very yeah. much to write to be honest like mm. yeah so yeah. I don't think that you should feel pressure to write a huge amount every night I do think though that right now is a really good time for looking at yourself and like Carly said, just checking in with yourself. Like nobody really does that day to day when we're so busy. And right now, if you've got that time to just sit with yourself. You never just go up and sit with myself for 10 minutes and not in like a vibrator way, like in an actual, I'm going to think about how I feel way. Like you just, yeah. don't, you just don't do it. So like now I think it's such a good time to go, I'm just going to spend five minutes writing yeah. down writing down and checking in with myself saying yeah one word I felt today was this one thing I'm grateful for today was this mm. and I know Carly mm. obviously you do your gratitude like I do like you're really mm. on it and and that's that in itself is journaling you know you can write down what you're grateful for and you don't ever have to look at it again there's yeah. like 
there's an author that I love who I talk about all the time called Brene Brown but she talks about this concept called shitty first drafts and it's like whenever you feel like something's going on or you feel uncomfortable or you've had a fight with someone or someone's trolled you whatever it is you just write down on a bit of paper your shitty first draft it doesn't have to be real it doesn't have to be accurate but you just write everything down and get it all out and be like that's my shitty first draft and then you don't have to look at it ever again but it gets it all out and it gets you into the practice of just putting stuff down on paper so even if you only do it when you're mad or like when you've had a fight with someone and you just start by just getting stuff out now and again and you can even do it on your phone it's still that practice of starting to do stuff and like I said like right now isolation if you're isolated with anyone then you're probably going to be angry relatively often because you're fighting with people right mm. so I just is what I tell myself while I go to sleep on my own um but like <laughs> it's a really good time to like start writing stuff down doing like those types of things yeah that's like the advice to like if you want to text your ex or something like write it out (laughs) and then just leave it in your drafts and like think about if you want to send it but although maybe that's not a good example I think I definitely wrote like almost like a pros and cons thing like about relationships that I've been in that just helps you get it out like I never had to go anywhere or send to anyone but it's just like helps get your feelings out on paper Mm. and also you can rationalize them because you can be like okay but also all these cons happened. And I think I wrote a letter to myself once on my phone and it was like, if you ever want to text X, then remember like blah, 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 blah. And do you know what? It was so useful. And I was like, yeah. okay, if, I, if I feel like texting them, I'm going to read this. Mm. Never text them. Yeah. That's so good. You know what? I've had that though when um, I do that with emails as well, because when things have gone wrong and I've got very emotionally irritated. Um, I, I now have learned that I will not send any email until I've calmed down. I think logically, and that could be the next day, but I will send an email to them saying, I will get back to you. Um, and then I'll write it because if it, if anything's emotionally driven, it's always, well, not always, but probably 99.9% going to be the wrong action that you're taking. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I do that. Yeah. <laughs> I do you ever do the, um, I think there's a rule called like the 7 p.m. rule. And it's like, you should never make any big decisions after 7 p.m. because you make all your bad decisions then. And it's kind of true. Like it's when you're going to like, go and order a pizza late at night it's when you're yeah. gonna order random crap on amazon that you don't need it's when you're gonna text your ex like none of these things are good decisions so if you want to do any of them like leave them in your drafts or leave them in the shopping basket like it's all there in the morning i can guarantee mm. that nine times out of ten you won't do it in the morning yeah yeah, yeah. i like that yeah, I do. Right, that's that's been near an hour and a half, ladies. So <laughs> wow. But what I want to say is, I want I want each of you to give one bit of a tip or one advice on how to step into your own power. Wow, that was on the spot, wasn't it? <laughs> what? So my seven pm advice doesn't. We need another bit of advice now. How to okay. how to create the woman that you want to be? Be authentic. Yeah, <sighs> that's fine. Just, oh, she's so <laughs> What's another way of saying that? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to put like some different context to that. So I listened to a marketing thing the other day, and 
the woman who was giving it was saying that your ideal client, so the person you want to attract is someone who has similar values to you, mm. probably just like likes similar things to you. And basically is quite similar to who you are or is attracted to your way of delivering a product or your personality or what you find funny, etc. So the only way you can attract that is to be yourself. Mm. So, so that really would be the best be thing. Authentic. Yeah, what, whatever. <laughs> that was your context. How else, yeah. How else can I say be yourself? Yeah, that's what I was about to say. How are you going to say that? No, our top tip is create you by being you. Yeah, or attract hey, you by being you. Yeah. What makes you happy is what makes you you. But yeah. you can only do that by knowing yourself and by listening to your feelings and yeah. figuring yourself out. So there's a lot to do there. And using yeah. Haley's 65% code from Ann Summers. <laughs> yeah. No, no, Ann Summers. Oh, rush. No, oh, Ann sorry. Summers. Oh, God. Edit that out. Go on. <laughs> Put on her bio. That's another one. <laughs> Madigan. Oh. <laughs> Madigan 65. <laughs> oh well, that was great ladies it's good to see you all yeah that was really fun thank you for having us carly thank, thank you, you. Kylie.